0: Hi, this is Puritans Read, a podcast where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Episode 2 of The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. Mr. Burroughs was discussing how a gracious frame of spirit is not opposed to certain things. He mentioned number one, not opposed to a due sense of affliction. Continuing on with number two, it is not opposed to making in an orderly manner our moan and complaint to God and to our friends. Though a Christian ought to be quiet under God's correcting hand, he may, without any breach of Christian contentment, complain to God. As one of the ancients says, though not with a tumultuous clamor and shrieking out in a confused passion, yet in a quiet, still submissive way, he may unbosom his heart to God. Likewise, he may communicate his sad condition to his Christian friends, showing them how God has dealt with him and how heavy the affliction is upon him That they may speak a word in season to his weary soul. 3. It is not opposed to all lawful seeking for help in different circumstances, nor to endeavoring simply to be delivered out of present afflictions by the use of lawful means. No. I may lay in provision for my deliverance and use God's means, waiting on him because I do not know but that it may be his will to alter my condition. And so far as he leads me, I may follow his providence. It is but my duty. God is thus far mercifully indulgent to our weakness, and he will not take it ill at our hands if by... Earnest and importunate prayer, we seek him for deliverance until we know his good pleasure in the matter. Certainly, seeking thus for help with such submission and holy resignation of spirit to be delivered when God wills, and as God wills, and how God wills, so that our wills are melted into the will of God, that is not opposed to the quietness which God requires in a contented spirit. But what then, it will be asked, is this quietness of spirit opposed to? Number one, it is opposed to murmuring and repining at the hand of God, as the discontented Israelites often did. If we cannot bear this either in our children or servants, much less can God bear it in us. Number two. To vexing and fretting, which is a degree beyond murmuring, I remember the saying of a heathen, a wise man may grieve for, but not be vexed with his afflictions. There is a vast difference between a kindly grieving and a disordered vexation. Number three, to tumultuousness of spirit, when the thoughts run distractingly and work in a confused manner, so that the affections are like the unruly multitude in the acts who did not know for what purpose they had come together. The Lord expects you to be silent under his rod, and, as was said in Acts 19, 36, ye ought to be quiet and to do nothing rashly. Number four, it is opposed to an unsettled and unstable spirit, whereby the heart is distracted from the present duty that God requires in our several relationships towards God, ourselves, and others. We should prize duty more highly than to be distracted by every trivial occasion. Indeed, a Christian values every service of God so much that though some may be in the eyes of the world and of natural reason a slight and empty business, barely elements or foolishness, yet since God calls for it, the authority of the command so overawes his heart that he is willing to spend himself and to be spent in discharging it. It is an expression of Luther's that ordinary works, done in faith and from faith, are more precious than heaven and earth. And if this is so, and a Christian knows it, he should not be diverted by small matters, but should answer every distraction and resist every temptation, as Nehemiah did Sanballat, Geshem, and Tobiah when they would have hindered the building of the wall with this. I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Nehemiah 6, 3. Number 5. It is opposed to distracting, heart-consuming cares. A gracious heart so esteems its union with Christ and the work that God sets it about that it will not willingly suffer anything to come in to choke it or deaden it a christian is desirous that the word of god should take such full possession as to divide between soul and spirit hebrews 4:12 but he would not allow the fear and noise of evil tidings to take such a hold in his soul as to make a division and struggling there like the twins in rebecca's womb A great man will permit common people to stand outside his doors, but he will not let them come in and make a noise in his closet or bedroom when he deliberately retires from all worldly business. So, a well-tempered spirit may inquire after things outside in the world and suffer some ordinary cares and fears to break into the suburbs of the soul, so as to touch lightly upon the thoughts yet it will not on any account allow an intrusion into the private room which should be wholly reserved for Jesus Christ as his inward temple. Number six, it is opposed to sinking discouragements. When things do not fall out according to expectation, when the tide of second causes runs so low that we see Little in outward means to support our hopes and hearts. Then the heart begins to reason, as did he in 2 Kings 7, 2. If the Lord should open the windows of heaven, how should this be? We never consider that God can open the eyes of the blind with clay and spittle. He can work above, beyond, and even contrary to means he often makes, the fairest flowers of man's endeavors to wither and brings improbable things to pass in order that the glory of the undertaking may be given to himself. Indeed, if his people stand in need of miracles to bring about their deliverance, miracles fall as easily from God's hands as to give his people daily bread. God's blessing many times is a secret from his servants so that they do not know from which way it is coming as ye shall not see wind neither shall ye see rain yet the valley shall be filled with water 2 kings 3:17 God would have us to depend on him though we do not see how the thing may be brought about otherwise we do not show a quiet spirit Though an affliction is on you, do not let your heart sink under it. So far as your heart sinks and you are discouraged under affliction, so much you need to learn this lesson of contentment. Number seven, it is opposed to sinful shiftings and shirkings to get relief and help. We see this kind of thing in Saul running to the witch of Endor. And offering sacrifice before Samuel came, nay, good King Jehoshaphat joins himself with Ahaziah, 2 Chronicles 20, 35. And Asa goes to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, for help, not relying upon the Lord, 2 Chronicles 16, 7 and 8. Though the Lord had delivered the Ethiopian army into his hands, consisting of a thousand thousand Second Chronicles 14.12 And good Jacob, joined with his mother, in lying to Isaac, not content to await God's time and use God's means, he made too great a haste and went out of his way to procure the blessing which God intended for him. Thus do many, through the corruption of their hearts and the weakness of their faith. Because they are not able to trust God and follow Him fully in all things and always. For this reason, the Lord often follows the saints with many sore temporal crosses. As we see in the case of Jacob, though they obtain the mercy, it may be that your carnal heart thinks, I do not care how I am delivered, if only I may be freed from it. Is it not so many times in some of your hearts when any cross or affliction befalls you? Do you not experience such workings of spirit as this? Oh, if I could only be delivered from this affliction in any way, I would not care. Your hearts are far from being quiet. This sinful shifting is the next thing which is in opposition to the quietness which God requires in a contented spirit. Number eight, the last thing that quietness of spirit is the opposite of is desperate risings of the heart against God by way of rebellion. This is the most abominable. I hope many of you have learned so far to be content as to restrain your hearts from such disorders. Yet the truth is that not only wicked men, But sometimes the very saints of God find the beginnings of this when an affliction remains for a long time and is very severe and heavy indeed upon them and strikes them, as it were, in the master vein. They find in their hearts something of a rising against God. Their thoughts begin to bubble and their affections begin to move in rebellion against God himself. Especially is this the case with those who, besides their corruptions, have a large measure of melancholy. The devil works both upon the corruptions of their hearts and the melancholy disease of their bodies. And though much grace may lie underneath, yet under affliction, there may be some risings against God himself. Now, Christian quietness is opposed to all these things. When affliction comes, whatever it is, you do not murmur, though you feel it, though you make your cry to God, though you desire to be delivered and seek it by all good means, yet you do not murmur or repine. You do not fret or vex yourself. There is not a tumultuousness of spirit in you, not an instability. There are no not distracting fears in your hearts, no sinking discouragements, no unworthy shifts, no risings in rebellion against God in any way. This is quietness of spirit under an affliction, and that is the second thing when the soul is so far far able to bear an affliction as to keep quiet under it. This concludes Episode 2 of Jeremiah Burroughs, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment.